Welcome to True Talks, an honest and open look into the challenges we all face every day dealing with God, family, and others. Now, here's Pastor Tim Buttrey, founder and CEO of True Relationships. Being asked to talk about prayer was a daunting task, a subject that I can't say I've ever really been comfortable with. I, I can't say that I've been a prayer warrior for much of my life. I, I don't know if it's just because of the way my brain works or the ADD that keeps me from being focused sometimes, uh, being able to quiet and still everything to be able to, I don't know. But I, I, what I do know is that I believe in prayer and I have attempted to be faithful in prayer but I don't feel like I'm an expert on prayer. So I'm not here this morning as any kind of an expert, but I'm here really more as a fellow journeyman. We're in this together. And I'm coming to you to just share with you some of the things that I've learned about praying, about what prayer means, what the Scripture says about prayer, and how I've tried to incorporate that into my life. I don't feel like I've done necessarily a great job of that over the years of my life, but there is something I know, and that is that I want to become better and better, and I want to keep trying, and I want to keep experimenting and experiencing prayer. There are people that have many different gifts in prayer. Uh, I know people and people in this church that are intercessors, people that kind of stand in the gap is kind of the way I've always understood intercessors, people that will pray for others or certain situations. We have a group of intercessors that pray every Sunday morning in the last room there, down there on the right at the front of the uh, auditorium here that pray for the leadership and the people that are coming through those doors and for God's Spirit to move in this place to make a difference in people's lives. Uh, so there are a lot of different kinds of prayer. I'm not going to be getting into those. I'm not going to be teaching on the different kinds of prayer. I'm not even going to be doing any kind of a theological expose on prayer. I'm not doing a three-point sermon on prayer. What I want to do today is really just share my journey. And just share with you some of the things that I've learned about prayer that I've tried to incorporate in my life. For most of my life, as I mentioned, prayer has not been something that came naturally. Um, I think it does for some. Maybe th they have the gift. I don't know. But it wasn't necessarily that way for me. It wasn't that I didn't want to nor like to pray. Um, it's not that I haven't prayed, <laughs> because I have, and I do, but the reason I prayed, or the way that I prayed, often arose out of expectations that were placed on me, or um, because of the culture of the church or group that I was a part of. I've prayed those, uh, Tim Buttrey is going to pray for us this morning, prayers. As a pastor or leader, uh, visiting a place or being in a group with the church, and Pastor Tim was there, so uh, he's the one that's supposed to pray. So I've done a lot of praying with those kind of responsibilities, um, or those prayers that you pray because you're the spiritual leader of your home. 
Not that those are wrong or that they aren't sincere, but sometimes they are different than what you'd actually like to hear come out of you, but you have to pray a certain way so your children, for instance, can learn how to pray and what that means to open your heart and for them to be able to understand it. So lots of different things that have, that have shaped my prayers. I've prayed out of desperation for a child or a situation or someone that was sick or a crisis that was paralyzing me and all I could do was pray. I've prayed for the healing of the infirmed and even experienced times where I've laid hands on the sick and prayed for them and they were healed. I remember praying for a woman that that, uh, couldn't get pregnant. And she had been trying for a long time, and she came to a prayer time, and I prayed for her and laid hands on her, and within weeks she got pregnant. I don't understand those things, but I do believe in prayer, and I have prayed, and I have seen God work through prayer. I just can't say that I'm all that good at it. And I'm not even sure what that looks like (laughs) to be good at it, to be honest with you. Um, For years, I was part of a prayer group that met at 6 a.m. and prayed for an hour. Some of you might remember the book by Larry Lee, Could You Not Tarry One Hour? Well, the church that I was a part of then and a a group of people that were part of that church were gung-ho on that, and I was part of that, and we would get up almost every morning of the work week and pray for an hour. And Oh, man, my kids were young. Linda was working part-time outside of the home. I was full-time on staff at the church. I I drove probably 40 minutes to get to the church in the morning. And I can remember getting up at 4 or 4.30 in the morning to be able to be ready and to be able to drive to the church. And I would be so tired that I would get out of bed, I'd turn on the water for the shower, and I'd end up laying on the floor waiting for the water to get hot, fall asleep, and then wake up and get in the shower and go. I mean, I'm not sure that it was all that it was cracked up to be, but it's part of my journey. It's part of my experience, and I don't regret it or resent it. It's just, I don't do that anymore. But I've learned other things about prayer, and I've discovered some new things that I believe are equally as important and, and valuable. So, I don't mention the things that I've been through or the the ways that I've prayed to cast any negative light on them or certainly not to lift me up in any way. It's just a brief synopsis of my prayer journey. At times, my praying has been deeply emotional and quite fulfilling. At other times, empty. And sadly, pathetic. It has been intentional most of the time and somewhat obligatory at others. There have been seasons when my prayer life was thriving and God felt so close. And other seasons when it seemed like my prayers were bouncing off of an impenetrable ceiling. But I keep praying. (laughs) Why? Well, my friend 
Dave Peaty recently wrote a book called The Prayer Primer. It's available on Amazon. You can look it up, Prayer Primer or Dave Peaty, P-E-D-D-E. Dave wrote this book on prayer, and there's a statement that he made that really resonated with me and really embodies why I have kept praying. And here's what he says. I pray because I want to know God. He is my home. (laughs) I don't know. There's just something simple about that. Simple and yet profound. I just keep praying because I want to know God. He is my home. So in the time remaining, I'd like to share with you some of the insights that I've discovered about praying along my 50-some-year journey. The first thing I've learned about prayer is that prayer is a privilege. It's a privilege. And I don't want to take that privilege for granted. The first verse I'd like us to look at is found in Hebrews 8, uh, I'm sorry, Hebrews 4, verse 16. And it says this, and I love this verse, and I love the way that it talks about prayer in that it doesn't use the word prayer, but it tells us what we're doing when we do pray. And he says this, so let us come boldly, boldly to the throne of grace. That was my version Let me read it from that. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We need it all the time, don't we? But I love the idea that God has bid us to come to him, the creator of the universe. Do you realize how privileged we are? That God has said to us, come boldly. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Even in your failure, come to me and I will be your help. I will will forgive your sin. And I will give you a new beginning. And I will give you grace to help you in your time of need. That is the God that we serve. And he's made coming to him in prayer that wonderful. I mean, it is easy to forget or to take for granted the, the sheer awesomeness of being able to talk to God. It's easy to take it for granted. I, I, I took my wife, Linda, for granted. For 20 years, it was just, well, she's my wife. She's there. She'll always be there. Everything's cool. And I almost lost my marriage as a result of that foolishness. And I don't want to make the same mistake with God. I don't want to take him for granted. Well, everything's cool. He'll be there for me when I need him. And I'll only go to him when I have this need. But he wants us to come to him all the time. He wants us to be with him. That's what Dave was talking about, that he wants to know God. And, he, and he's his home. I want God to be your home. Another verse that really... Um, resonates with me is Deuteronomy 4, 7. It says, What other nation is so great as to have their gods, lowercase, their gods near them, 
the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to Him. That our God, again, the, the unbelievable truth that the God of the universe, the creator of everything, not only sent His Son to restore relationship to us, but bids us to come. And even in the Old Testament, they recognized that God, Yahweh, was available to them in, in intimate ways, in the ways that none of these other religions had. And that stands today. I, I like Discovery Channel and History Channel and and I, I watched some of these documentaries, and I, I don't know if you ever watched one that kind of showed you these different religions around the world. And I have these images in my mind of some of these religions where they'd crawl on their knees to this altar that, for miles, and their legs would be bloody. And they would crawl through the night to appease their God and, and to somehow get favor with God. And God just, the true living God just says, just come boldly. Just come to my throne. I'm there for you. I'm in relationship with you. I see you as righteous because of my son. That's the privilege that you and I have. And I hope that inspires us to not take prayer, to not take God for granted, but to realize that we've been given an awesome privilege. But privileges always come with responsibilities, don't they? Let me, let me just give you a couple responsibilities that I've identified in this privilege of prayer. Matthew 21, 22 says, If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And in James 1, 6, similarly, he says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. I used to think that that had something to do with me. <laughs> How silly. I, I really, I felt that I had to conjure up some kind of faith. I had to do some kind of passionate work inside of myself emotionally to where I'd get exuberant and I believed in God. It's not about me. It's not about working something up. It's about, do I believe in God. Do I believe that He is the creator of the universe? Do I believe that He's holy and righteous? Do I believe that He promised me great promises, great and many promises? Do I believe in the one who made those promises and I can trust in Him? That doesn't take any working up. In fact, I can actually believe even while I have some unbelief. How about that? I believe I have a leg to stand on when I look at Scripture. And there was the father who had a demoniac son. His son would throw himself in the water and try to drown himself. He'd throw him in the, the fire and try to burn himself. And this father was desperate. He came to Jesus and, and asked if he would heal or if he could heal his son. And Jesus simply looked at him and said, Do you believe? The same words. Do you believe? And the father, desperate, was so honest, and I love this honesty. He said, Lord, I believe, but help 
my unbelief. <laughs> I've, I've been there so many times, it's not funny. Where something kept me, whether it was logic or experience or past failure, whatever. Where I knew the truth, but there was a part of me that just couldn't get my head around it. And I'd have to pray that prayer. Lord, I do believe. But there's a part of me that's struggling right now. You know what? God, I think, accepts and actually appreciates that kind of honesty. And he honored that, that father by healing and releasing that son from that demonic spirit. Second thing I'd like to make mention of is found in 1 Peter 3, 7. It's another responsibility. And I, I know that this verse, and you're looking at it already, and it says husbands. Well, the culture that Peter was writing to, primarily husbands, men were the, the leaders or the head, and the woman was the follower, as it were. And it wasn't necessary to say this to the wife because that was pretty much the way most, if not all, wives were submissive, respectful, even when they didn't want to be. Because if they didn't, they'd get in trouble. Bad way to do it, but nevertheless, that was the culture of the day. So Peter is talking to husbands. I believe it's inappropriate for us today, and this is just my belief. This is not, just take it for what it's worth. I believe it'd be inappropriate for us today to only focus this on men, only focus this scripture on, on husbands. I believe that it has just as much application for wives if you want your prayers heard. But here's what it says. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. I think we can also say, wives, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your husbands. And treat them with respect, dot, dot, dot. And heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, that doesn't say God doesn't hear them. It doesn't say that because of this, God is turned away from you. But it does say he's holding back on giving you perhaps the answer to your prayer or fulfilling the need that you have until you stop talking and treating your spouse disrespectfully. Now, I'm just saying what the scripture says, folks. I'm just telling you that this is something that God has identified that hinders our prayers. And as a marriage counselor, I see a lot of people having their prayers hindered because they are being disrespectful to their spouse. It's a privilege to be able to pray, but there's a responsibility that you treat people right if you want God to hear you or at least to respond to you. The third responsibility is found in 1 Peter 3.12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. Just hear this. There is none righteous. No, not one, the Bible says. All we like sheep have gone astray. 
Every one of us have turned to our own way, our rebellion, our self-centeredness. Our righteousness is found only in Jesus Christ. And with that, you can come boldly to God's gracious throne because you come to Him in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. And because of that righteousness, God hears your prayers. Don't go to God on your own righteousness. Don't go to God and try to twist His arm because you did something spiritual. Because our righteousness, the Bible says, is like filthy rags. That ain't going to get any audience with God because you did something you think you deserve the answer to your prayer. It doesn't work that way. So keep that in mind when you pray. The second thing I'd like to share with you about my journey in prayer is that prayer is a discipline. This is one that kind of holds many of us back. Um, discipline is uh, not easy. It's hard. First Peter 4, 7 says, The end of the world is coming soon. Okay. I think we know that more now than ever. I mean, watch the news. I was even watching the uh, History Channel, and they said the seven new signs of the apocalypse. That was the whole show. And it was all biblical. All the signs that are in Revelation, and they're saying, hey, these things could happen today. They're saying that. God help us to not be the ones that are doubting the fact that this world is coming to an end. And he, and, and he says, because of that, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. With this or other forms of discipline, they can easily become another form of legalism. So I'm not suggesting that we do things a certain way or that we always have to do it that way because that will just become a form of legalism. What I want it to be is something that comes from our heart and we recognize our dependence on and our need for God and we see that need every single day and that draws us to a place of prayer. The key here is the regular remembrance of God. Like Dave said, He's our home. Don't forget to go home. Find a format that simply slows you down. That's what I had to do. I, I, I'm, you know, type A, ADD. I got a lot of things going against me when it comes to prayer. But I, I had to learn how to slow down. I had to pull away. I had to stop thinking of all the extra things. And I had to just quiet myself. God, what do you want to say? Or maybe you just don't want to say anything. You just want me to be with you. And I'm okay with that. I've just learned that. I'm 59 years old and I've just learned this. I hope that it inspires you. So, find a format that slows you down, brings your focus to God and prepares you for spending some time with God. This could be five minutes, 45 minutes, or a few hours. The amount of time is not the key because if you make it a certain time, then that becomes legalistic and you think you always have to do an hour or you can't do anything less than whatever and then you get bound up. Make it about relationship. Just make sure you're going home every day and spending time with God. My discipline recently has started with a few minutes of quietness and opening my heart. Then I read some scripture, anywhere from a single verse 
to a whole chapter, followed by a devotional reading. Right now I'm in My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. And then I conclude with prayer. Sometimes those are my own prayers. Sometimes those come from prayer books, like the one I'm using right now by Ted Loader, called Gorillas of Grace. Not gorillas, but gorillas. And about being in spiritual warfare and getting down and getting dirty and getting things figured out. So I've been reading prayers from his book, and I'm going to read one as we close here in a few minutes. So that's been my new discipline in the last 6 to 12 months. And I just wanted to share that with you to realize that it doesn't have to be anything special, but it can just be something that you can do and feel good and comfortable with. The third thing I want to share with you is prayer is about being with God, not getting from God. Let me say that again. Prayer is about being with God, not getting from God. Matthew 6, 7, and 8 says this. And this, I'm reading it from the message. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. And I love that passage. And I love the way the author of the message put it. Recently, Linda and I went on a sabbatical for a month, spending time together with God, learning how to quiet our souls after 30-some years of full-time ministry and just being able to get away from it all, and it was profound. A few weeks ago, we went on a silent retreat to a monastery in central Kentucky and, and didn't talk for two days. I can't tell you that I, I had anything written on the wall or heard anything audible, but I experienced God in a way that was like, come be with me for a little while. And it was beautiful and simple. Let me just share this quote from Richard Rohr. He puts it like this. What characterizes God speaking is very often a sense of vitality. That's, that's what I was trying to say, what happened to me during those times. There was a vitality. There was an energy. There was a strength. It wasn't like I heard anything. And he says, it's not dogmatic words. It's a descendance of presence. That's not what I was ever taught about prayer. Uh, no one ever told me that I could just go be with God and I didn't even have to say anything or that he didn't necessarily have to say anything to me that I could just be in his presence and Richard Rohr talks about how that being in God's presence that's what changes me from the inside out I don't necessarily even have to hear something to respond but he changes me and I respond just by being with him and I like that 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 changes my way of thinking about prayer. 
And the fourth and final thing I wanted to share with you about what I've learned about prayer is prayer allows us to participate in the supernatural, in the miraculous. John 14, 12 says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. I am grateful to have been able to witness many miraculous answers to prayer. People being healed physically, marriages being restored that I get to witness over and over and over again in our ministry, true relationships, seeing marriages that were dead, resurrected and brought back to life. That's a miracle. In our culture, that's a real miracle. So, our time's gone, and I, I wanted to, to share a story I'm the guest. <laughs> Let me just share this story with you about a situation that Linda and I were in. We were starting this ministry about 16 years ago, True Relationships. And we started with nothing, no money, no support, no staff, no, no nothing. And so we started, and it was moving. It was growing. It was developing. We were getting invited to churches. We were speaking. We were doing seminars. And we got to a point where it was kind of getting some inertia, but it was still not able to sustain itself. And we were dead in the water. We had no money left. We needed $5,000 before the end of the month. And I didn't know what we were going to do. And I was freaking out as a husband and leader in my home. I didn't know what to do. And I went to Linda in tears. I said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what this means. And I don't even know who to talk to. And Linda said, why don't you talk to our pastor? And I went to the pastor that we were under at that time. And he said, Tim, you and Linda need to figure out if God wants you to do this ministry or not. You need to hear from God somehow. You need to go back home. You need to pray together and see what God says. So I did. I went back home, told Linda what we talked about. We sat together. We said, okay, here's what we need. We need to know if God wants us to do this. So we're going to give God... Yeah, that sounds wrong. We're going to put out before God three options. One, if he gives us nothing, if nothing comes in in the next 30 days, then we know he wants us to shut this ministry down and go on, get jobs, move on with our lives. If he brings in part of it, even if it was only $5 of the 5,000, we believe God was telling us, stay in the ministry. I'm going to take care of you, but get jobs to supplement what you're doing. The third thing was... If God provides the entire $5,000 before the end of the month, we believe what he's telling us is stay in the ministry. I'm the provider. I'll take care of you. Keep doing what you're doing. Okay? We literally wrote them down on a piece of paper, put the piece of paper between my hand and Linda's, and we prayed. At the end of that prayer, I said amen. And facetiously almost, I said, well, I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to go look in the mailbox. I got up, went to the mailbox, not truly, not expecting anything. I went to the mailbox, and in the mailbox was several letters. One of them was a, from some friends that we knew, and we don't typically get anything from them in the mail. So I took it in, rather excited. I shared with Linda that there was an envelope out there from these folks. And we sat down on the couch and opened it up. And in that envelope, that day, 
literally three minutes after we had prayed the prayer we prayed, there was a check for $5,000. See, God knew what we needed before we even asked, but he wanted us to ask to be a part of his miracle, to prove to us that he was in control and that he can be trusted, and we have trusted him every step of the way ever since. And there have been times that it was tough again, but God always has come through, and we know he always will. Prayer is a relationship with the God of the universe, not anything more or less. So to close, here's what I'd like us to do. We're just going to take a few minutes. The Lord's Prayer, you're probably most familiar with, The first statement is, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I want us to just take one minute, and I'd like everyone in the room to bow your heart, close your eyes if you want to. I want you to think about that statement, and I want you to offer profound praise to that name of God. Hallowed be thy name. Give him praise. Let him know how grateful you are that as the God of the universe, he's allowed you to be in relationship with him and give him praise. Just a few minutes. Just... Close your eyes, bow your heart, and just take that first statement and make it your own. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. Now I'd like to have you take the final statement that Jesus made in that prayer when the disciples said, teach us to pray. The final statement was, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Maybe it's a financial situation like Lynn and I had to pray for. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a work situation. But you need to have God's will be done. So I just want you to present that to God and and proclaim His will in your life, in your home, in your future for just a moment. Go ahead. Have your way in us, O God. In Jesus' name. To officially close our time together here this morning, I alluded to the prayer book that I had been reading by Ted Loder. And there's a prayer that I discovered in there that I thought was so appropriate for today. And so I'd like for you to once again just find a place of of solemn respect for God, eyes closed or not, kneeling if you want, whatever you want to do to be in a place of receiving this prayer. I'm just going to read it to you. And I want you to hear the words that I want them to penetrate your heart. It'll only take a few minutes, and then we'll be able to leave, okay? So let me just read this prayer. First, Lord, we just put our hearts at a place of receiving you. And Lord, as I read this prayer that you birthed in the heart of this man, may it be birthed in our heart as well. Patient God... The clock struck midnight, and I parted with a strange sadness in my heart, confusion in my mind. Now I ask you to gather me, for I realize the storms of time have scattered me. The furies of the year past have driven me. Many sorrows have scarred me. Many accomplishments have disappointed me. Much activity has wearied me. And fear has spooked me into a hundred hiding places, one of which is pretended gaiety. I am sick of a string of have a nice days. What I want is passionate days. 
wondrous days, dangerous days, blessed days, surprising days. All I want is you. Patient God, this day teeters on the edge of waiting and things seem to slip away from me as though everything were only memory and memory is capricious. Help me to not let my life slip away from me. Oh God, I hold up my life to you now as much as I can, as high as I can, in this mysterious reach called prayer. Come close, lest I wobble and fall short. It is not days or years I seek from you, not infinity or enormity, but small things and moments and awareness. Awareness that you are in what I am and in what I have been indifferent to. It is not new time, but new eyes, new heart I seek, and you. Patient God, in this teetering time, this time of waiting, make me aware of moments, moments of song, moments of bread and friends, moments of jokes, some of them on me, which for a moment deflate my pomposities. Moments of sleep and warm beds. Moments of children laughing and parents bending. Moments of sunsets and sparrows outspunking winter. Moments when broken things get mended with glue or guts or mercy or imagination. Moments when splinters shine and rocks shrink. Moments when I know myself blessed. Not because I am so awfully important, but because you are so awesomely God. No less of the year to come as of all the years past. No less of this moment than of all my moments. No less of those who forget you as of those who remember, as I do now in this teetering time. O patient God, make something new in me, in this year, for you. This has been True Talks with Pastor Tim Buttry. If you'd like more information about True Relationships, just visit us on the web at truerelationships.org or on Twitter at Tim Buttry or on Facebook at True Plus True.